0: Hey guys pk here today's episode is going to be a little bit different i was actually interviewed by the smart property investment show by phil tarrant i'm sure you know you guys know that podcast it's huge and really good folks and been doing it for so many years help literally thousands and thousands of thousands of investors so they interviewed me um, about my own portfolio so in the next 30 minutes or so um i'll be switching over to their episode actually uh, where Phil asked me about how I got started, my exact portfolio, the valuation, the LVR, the debt, each of the properties—nine residential plus two commercial properties—the the valuations, the purchase price, the rents—you know where they are, the exact location, suburbs. I go through every single thing in a lot of detail. So if you've really been following me for a while and you really want to build your confidence that you yourself can, you know, start a portfolio and do this then hopefully my own portfolio gives you a bunch of confidence so i just wanted to open up the the hood or lift the bonnet so to speak and just reveal my own portfolio and i hope it serves to inspire you and enthuse you to build or start your own here you go guys thanks so much
1: welcome to the smart property investment show the podcast by investors for investors Well, g'day, how are you going? Phil Tarrant, host of the Smart Property Investment Show. Investor Stories is what we love. Pulkit Gupta, PK, is in the studio with me. He's recording from Brizzy heres hasn't been locked up. PK, how are you going?
0: well, thanks, Phil. I was just saying, but feel a bit guilty being in Brisbane these days. We've got it pretty good, but
1: yeah, not complaining. And uh, has, has Brisbane always been home for you, PK?
0: Uh, well, I was I was um I was born in India, but we grew up in in New Zealand, small sort okay. of town called Napier on the east coast of the North Island. Lovely. Um, moved over here in two thousand six.
1: Okay. What What was the the move from New Zealand to Australia? What was the back back story there, mate?
0: Oh look, nothing, nothing remarkable really. I think you know we just wanted to sort of typical sort of Indian background and upbringing my parents want to send me to an Australian university which is apparently better than in New Zealand so that was really <laughs> oh, the, the story there. Well, you said it mate but uh, well, what would you do at university PK? Um, finances and statistics, and okay. um, really looking at econometrics and things like that. Wow, that sounds exciting! Yeah, you are happy you did
1: that as a degree?
0: <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, like I just wanted to get the degree over and done with—not terribly academic, um, but yeah, I love numbers and just wanted to start working so I can earn some money.
1: <laughs> yeah, which which uni in uh, Brisbane did you go to? UQ. Okay, oh, it's good school and uh, statistics. Uh Uh, We're on university. Everyone had to do Stat One Hundred and One. It was called, and uh, it was a requirement, and everyone absolutely hated it. I know one bloke who is now a doctor. uh, He's a geologist, and uh, he failed it three times. It was an (laughs) ongoing joke. But uh, Stat One Hundred and One at Macquarie University. Thank God you're behind me. Anyway, uh, statistics are a big driver, though, of um, uh, helping to make informed investment decisions. We chat about a lot. You can't always rely on the numbers. Uh, The most successful property investors I know. Uh, there's, uh, have a really comfortable relationship or intersection between the numbers and what's actually going on. That's what you need to do. But your investing journey, uh, Pika, how old are you, mate? You don't look that old. I'm 31. You're 31. And how many properties do you have right now? So we have nine resi properties, eight
0: of them in Australia and two commercial and two commercial developments. Okay.
1: You're not messing around. And you say we, is it yourself and someone else? My wife, yeah. Okay. All right. So you invest in a partnership with your wife. You could say that. You could yeah. say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's cool. So take me back, uh, PK. Um uh the catalyst for you to invest in, in property. When when did you buy your first property? We're you still at university, it was after that. Uh right into our first
0: um, job. So we graduated 2010 from, from uni. And I mean, we came from pretty you know second generation immigrants, so you know, pretty sort of humble background. And um my wife and my parents did all the hard yards for us, so we we're pretty grateful. And you know, they work pretty hard. So we just wanted to get ahead as soon as possible. We started investing from the first year of getting our grad roles.
1: Oh, okay. And and what did you both do as uh, grads straight after uni?
0: So, I mean, I was a bit of a nerd. So I went into investment banking um, at JP Morgan, actually in Sydney, and she was a chartered accountant at KPMG.
1: Okay. So you got numbers flowing through your veins there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how long, um, uh, so you started your grad role. Did you work through university at all?
0: Uh, yeah, like yeah. I, I did internships and in every summer I uh, picked fruit. Uh, I worked at the local fruit shop, various things, just trying to get the savings up and basically live.
1: Yeah, no, well, absolutely. And and did you live at home while you were at university? Okay. Yeah, I did. That, that always helps. And like mum yeah. did all your cooking and cleaning, and, and, and you <laughs> cooking, cleaning, well,
0: everything under the yeah. sun. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so so how much? So uh, let's talk about the first property. Whereabouts was it? PK.
0: So the first one was in in East Gosford um, okay. in New South Wales. So that was in 2011, start of 2011.
1: Okay. East Gosford. I bet you have done pretty well there. Uh, what did you pay for it?
0: So that one, the purchase price, I made some notes because I know you're going to ask me these. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was about 320 Okay. Uh, 321 or something like 320 um, 2011 and Yeah, back then it wasn't such a hot market. I mean, no one was really looking there like they are now, but Mm. yeah, it's done pretty well.
1: And what was that, a house? Standard, three bedroom, two two garage. In 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 East Gosford, so 320K. um, uh, And and you rented it out straight away? Was it investment property from the get-go? Yeah, investment. I I was living at home still um, for the majority of the portfolio. Okay, so so you're living in Brisbane. You invested first in East Gosford
0: yeah yeah okay
1: <laughs> why is gosford
0: well i mean the like i said the purchase price was low three hundred. um like before my wife and i will then girlfriend at the time before we sort of started investing in properties we really wanted to understand the data um you know there's lots of sort of seminars and webinars and stuff like that we attended there was no podcast like this i don't think back then no. correct me if i'm wrong um so, yeah, we just built a bit of a, a method using you know, numbers, using data ourselves. And where we lived in, in Brisbane, it just wasn't stacking up. Um, and you can kind of see that in the last 10 years, kind of takeaway this year, Brisbane's not really done super well. Mm. Um, so that kind of took us to East Gosford where a lot of the data was pointing and it was affordable and, and positive cash flow.
1: Yeah, well, I think Brizzy's going to have its day in the sun uh, and we'll have a chat about that in a moment. But um, uh, what did you rent it out for, PK? So the rent was 400, which okay. is the great thing about it. So, and, and how much deposit did you put in?
0: We put in 80% deposit for that one. Sorry, 20%, 20%. percent.
1: Okay, 20%. So it was, I'd say it was positively geared pretty much from the get-go? Yep. Yep, okay. And, and you bought it in your own personal name? So how did you structure
0: it? That was in a, a trust structure.
1: In a trust structure. Okay, yeah. so you had to pay land tax on it from the get-go. Yeah, yeah, which um, which is one of the prices you pay for investing in, in trust. But we'll get into that. Okay, and you still have the property today?
0: Still have it. Okay, yeah, haven't sold yeah. any.
1: So, what do you reckon the valuation of that property would be today?
0: Um, I haven't got it recently valued, um, mm. Phil, but I reckon it could be somewhere around maybe eight hundred to eight fifty. Maybe that's being a little bit. Liberal, maybe high 700, something like that.
1: Yeah. So you're still doing okay out of it 10 years on from 320. You've at least doubled your money. You probably got 120, 130% growth on that. So
0: yeah.
1: can't complain. And and a 20% deposit on 320, so, you know, plus your stamp duty and stuff, you probably would have needed to find about 80, probably 80 to the 90K. Um, And that was just savings, was it, from, from your first job and, and working through university?
0: Yeah, that was... I did an internship at Macquarie bank and and a couple of other investment banks. They pay you like $10,000 a summer. And, um, and my, my wife was a cadet at KPMG through university as well. So that was basically all of our internship money.
1: Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so did you actually go and travel to see the house before you bought it?
0: No, No, no. So that's the thing. And, you know, for me, I mean, a little bit stingy, I didn't want to pay, you know, flights every weekend to inspect properties and everything like that. So, Um, I was just trying to figure out how to actually buy interstate. And I called a couple of property managers that were local to the area and said, Mm. you know, if I find the right property, will you be okay enough to to inspect it for me? Like, I'm happy to give you a hundred bucks or 200 bucks, something like that. And they actually said, I mean, this was back in the day and now it's much more common, but they actually said they're happy to do it for free as long as I was serious. And as long as they, you know, I would give them the management to them. So I think they must've inspected Four or five properties before this one, and okay, yeah, we yeah. bought it. I mean, I wouldn't say sight unseen because they did the due diligence, but we didn't go down there. Yeah, and and you and you stayed with the manager. You still got the same manager today on the property. I think the the business has been sold and um, bought a couple of times since that time. Yeah, yeah, um,
1: yeah. But yeah, continuity. Okay, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. All right, so uh, that's 2011 in East Gosford. So for those of you that don't know where East Gosford is, uh. The bottom of the central Coast in uh, New South Wales, it's probably only about an hour the new um tunnel there uh, through um uh, the start of the m one. it's probably less than an hour from Sydney now. so uh, yeah, nice and close, and you'll do well over time there, uh, East Coast. So what was the second property PK?
0: So the second one was in Frankston in um you know, just south of Melbourne, southeast yep. of Melbourne. Um that one was again, similar sort of price, three fifteen, the the valuation or well, my valuation, um, came out based on comparables at 340. So okay. kind of made sense for me. And it was renting not as good as the first one at 310, but still positive cash flow. This time we went
1: uh, 12% deposit. 12% deposit, okay. And um, and you buy that also in a trust structure? Yeah, that was in a yeah. trust structure as well. Okay, all right. Um, uh, and today, what, what sort of value do you reckon you'd have on it? I reckon, I mean, back then it was
0: a bit of an ugly duckling and mm. Frankston's still not for everyone, but it's gone up to about, I'd say, 700 to 750, something like that at the moment. Okay.
1: Yeah, and sorry, when did you buy that? That was in 2012, so, okay. so, so about a year after the first. And you had a 12% deposit, so um, uh, a little bit less than the sort of 20 that lenders uh, like you to have. So and you had to pay lenders mortgage insurance, LMI as a result of that?
0: Yeah, so yeah. actually because my wife was an accountant, Um, we didn't need to pay it, but we didn't find that out until like the fifth property. So for some reason, our broker didn't tell us. Um, So we were still paying lenders mortgage insurance, even though we didn't need to. Um,
1: Uh, So you're saying because, uh, well, because you had a professional uh, package, because you're an accountant, they don't don't charge LMI. Some lenders do that.
0: Yeah. Like I think if you're a nurse and chartered
1: accountant and a few other professions, uh, they don't charge you LMI. Because I think you're a little bit more stable than yeah. everyone else, do they? So yeah. you you're paying LMI all this time. And you didn't know that you could have got um, uh, products out there that you didn't have to pay LMI on. Did you change brokers when you found out? <laughs> I mean, we didn't change brokers immediately because the guy was really
0: good as well. But yeah, oh, yeah, we've moved on a, a couple of times oh, okay. since then. <laughs> so
1: so but so twelve percent at three ten on three fifteen property in a trust. Um, was that possibly geared? It would have been. That was like, that was about neutral at the time. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: Like we were on pretty good income. So we were thinking we don't want to buy negatively geared property, but you know, it doesn't need to give us like, you know, $10,000 a year from the get go.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, where'd you get the cash to, uh, to sum that up? Did you just save money through working again?
0: Yeah. So we'd worked a whole first year of our grad roles by then and, and saved up.
1: And what were you like with your, um, uh, your salaries? Were you still living at home at the time? no so like i said i was down in sydney at jp morgan
0: for that um for that first year my wife was based in sydney as well she was living at home but i was renting um and i mean we and this is the thing that probably people need to know in building large portfolios we were on you know very grateful to say we're on pretty good incomes Mm. um so combined salary at that time would have been about 200 um so you know we were able to save yeah. And, and get that second property pretty quickly i think the first one had gone up maybe 40 50k in that first year but you know 40 50 is not enough to be able to go again that
1: quick yeah. and no doubt at that time lenders would have quite liked you two people PAYG, um in in sort of banking and finance roles um it's pretty easy to to get that like that and what, what about your sort of living uh standards where you're sort of watching your your, your pennies or you're sort of driving fancy cars and eating out every night
0: no, I didn't have a car. And I think my, my wife bought like an old, you know, $14,000 car just to be able to, you know, hang around on the weekends. But mm. I mean, I was working about 90 hour weeks at, at the um, investment bank and I was having breakfast there, lunch there, dinner there, all funded by the bank. Cause you know, we were there 90 hours a week. So yeah, I didn't cool. have many expenses just cause I was a, yeah. Uh, how do you say I was basically living at the firm.
1: <laughs> and what, so you just rocked up and there's always food there or they ordered it in for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's always food there because I suppose that's the lifestyle um, mm. that they need to facilitate for you to to do a good job. Was it good food?
1: Was it like healthy? Was it just like crap, like chips and sausage rolls and stuff?
0: Well, I'm vegan, Phil. So yeah. like back then, <laughs> veganism wasn't the biggest thing. So I was always scrounging around for something I could eat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good to keep it the weight right. off. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. Well, I want to keep continue down this journey of um, understanding. Tell me about properties uh, three and four, PK
0: yeah so number three was was again again i think a a sort of good one so that was in um in mountain view drive in kingston and tassie um bought once again similar price range it was 311 rent was 350 so a little bit better um better rent this time Um, tassie as you know you got to pay land tax basically from the get-go um that was not in a trust structure this time that was in my wife's name Mm. and and yeah i mean once again sort of it grew basically from year number one because we tried to follow the data as best as we could um and i think that was probably even better than the first two properties we'd learned a few things by then you know calibrated our data system methodology and yeah really just continued to rely on local property managers
1: and that was when did you buy that 20
0: that was twenty thirteen, so another year later. Another
1: year, okay. And again, you just saved the money up um, uh, through through uh, working. And what sort of debt did you take on that? So we just continued to go twelve percent deposits. Okay, and again LMI. So, but on a three hundred and fifteen thousand dollar property, eight you know eight percent difference on the LMI is probably not a lot of money. It's probably like two or three grand thereabouts.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was more the principle of you know, just kind of keeping the money, our deposits with us to to preserve them for
1: future deposits. Mm. That
0: was just kind of the principle we were working off.
1: And and where you are capitalizing the LMI into the loan and what that means for those, this is not too fair, but it means they just, if you've got a $300,000 loan, it's $3,000 with LMI, your loan becomes $303,000. Is that what you're doing?
0: That's exactly right. Okay. And you know, you can then, as you know, Phil, you can claim that in tax over a five year period. And if you refinance that, then you can, Get it all
1: in one go. Yeah, and uh, Kingston Tassie, uh, 2013 to today, you, you, you're probably just in there as that market was really starting to fire. What sort of value do you reckon you'd have on that today?
0: So I think it would be kind of mid sixes at yeah. the moment. It's um, there's been a bit of development around there, a lot of new houses, but at the same time, demand, as you might know, is just shot up through the roof. So I think it's it's done pretty well, and the current rent is about five thirty. So that's okay. you know that's kind of really. A good news story in terms of the passive income that it's yeah, giving.
1: Uh, very nice. Uh, and then probably number four. So this is probably not the best
0: property um, we bought in Mount Sheridan in in Cairns. Okay. So we we bought it for about four hundred thousand dollars. Rent was four hundred. Uh, we failed to recognise that the. Um, insurance premiums are quite high up there. So it was Hmm. slightly negative pre-tax, post-tax, or after depreciation, it was basically break-even. But it hasn't really done much. And I think, you know, for those people who are listening, it was was just this classic sort of, hey, Cairns hasn't moved for 10 years. Yeah, Aussie dollar is really low, tourism's booming, they're going to build a casino, let's just get something in Cairns at the bottom of the market. And, you know, four, five, six years later, it's, it's, it's kind of gone up of a little market. bit. But yeah. yeah, it's not done yeah.
1: much. <laughs> Don't worry, everyone's got one of those properties in their portfolio. Uh, tell me about property number five, PK.
0: Yeah, so this is probably the best one that I'm super, super proud about, Phil. So this was in Islington in, in Newcastle, and back up to where we did well. So it's 2015 now, bought it for $507,000 on Christmas Eve. Okay. Um, this was listed in late November 2015 for five, I think it was 570. Then they bought it down to 550. And then they had just become frustrated. And we gave an offer of 507 um, on two days before Christmas. And on Christmas Eve, they settled it, um, or they agreed to to 507.
1: Yeah. So they just wanted a shot of it. Yeah. Do, do you know the reason why? Was there, was there a backstory at all why they had to get rid of the place? I think they bought another place to move into. So okay. they kind of really needed to make
0: that sort of transition happen over the Christmas period. And you know, all the way up to sort of Australia Day. Property markets aren't, you know, terribly on fire. They're kind of mm. slowing down and stuff. So they were just wanting to get rid of it, I
1: think. Yeah, cool. Um, and what's the rent? Were you getting on that?
0: So we got four eighty rent. Um, um, straight off the bat, the valuation, the actual bank valuation, which is pretty rare, um, came out at five fifty. So the bank valued it much more than
1: what we paid for it. That's good. And uh, again, we're you borrowing twelve percent. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the banks and the lenders are still happy to to to. Give you money. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, and once again, you know, it's there's, it's not like we're, there's any secret sauce here. We were on even higher incomes by now. So we were probably earning close to 300k as a, as a couple by, by 2015, 16. So, you know, banks saw the positive cash flow, the APRA rules hadn't really come in to a huge mm-hmm. effect by, by this time. And yeah, they were still happy. Okay, cool. Uh Probably six, so property six, you know, finally bought back in where I was living, um, in Brisbane. So Fernie Hills. Okay. Um, purchase price was four eighty. Um, valuation was basically the same. This one was our first negatively geared property. The rent was four forty. We thought we'd get four eighty, but literally the rental market shifted within three months from point of offer to settlement yeah. by about fifty dollars a week. So that was okay. that wasn't okay. great, but um, it's yeah. done well.
1: Okay. Uh, probably. S-
0: Seven. property seven was down in tassie again in in sort of north um, what is it northwest tasmania place called bernie okay um great bernie. Yeah, yeah bernie's bernie's really good i mean since that time the population of bernie's actually gone down but property prices have gone through the roof mm. and that's just because a different type of demographic has moved in we got that for 230 um the rent was 260, so back into positive cash flow territory, paying more land tax, but it is what it is. There you go. Uh, property eight, Resi. So property eight, Resi is in Petrie in, okay. in Brisbane again. That's um, what 2017 bought for 350. And these are all houses, right?
1: basically all of them are, are three betters. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, Petrie. So that's where that new Sunshine Coast university. So no doubt not far from there. Is that what sort of attracted you to the area that sort of um, uh, potential growth?
0: To be honest with you, Phil um, like that was a nice bonus to have at the time, but I'd kind of been burnt by sort of just following infrastructure and, and things like that up in, in cans, mm. you know, when it comes to infrastructure, there's planning phase there's the feasibility phase there's the approval phase funding phase it can fall over at any point so i didn't buy it because of the university you know by that time we'd sort of calibrated our system and we were really just following the methodology looking at stock on market inventory levels days on market levels a whole yeah. bunch of statistics yeah
1: yeah okay uh property nine
0: so property nine this is the last residential one I actually bought this year Okay. Um, and this was overseas. So this was in a, a sort of tourist area in, in India, okay. we got it for a purchase price of 420 K and it is, um, is valued at 600 K. So, you know, things happen a little bit different in India and, you know, we were able to sort of haggle it, it down to a good price.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you, so 600 K, you bought it for 400, wh- wh- which is the, wh- where's the area?
0: So it's in a state called UP Uttar Pradesh in a town called Vrindavan. Okay. Um, so yeah, it, things work different that way. If you got to know local people, you got to know how to give them money. We paid half of this, you know, under the table, half of it over the table.
1: <laughs> okay. I no doubt the Indian tax system operates a bit different to uh, the ATO, but- uh, Hopefully they're not I'm, listening to this. Yeah, problem. I'm not an expert in that. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my recommendation is always pay your taxes, but anyway. Um, <laughs> and what's the, what's the game plan with that? Is that like a, a holiday house or are you going to use it or what's the play?
0: Yeah, I mean the idea of that is it's actually a tourist hotspot, so lots of Americans and European people go. This is really near the Taj Mahal near in Agra, Um, so it's you could say it's kind of like the equivalent of an Airbnb. There's a different platform that works in India, Mm. and over the long term, if we want, then we can just spend some time there, my wife and I and and our son, um, if we want to.
1: Are you guys from the same? um, What are they called in India? There's not area. You don't have counties. You have the same. um Province? Did I get that right. Province, it's sta- It's called states it's the as states, well. Yeah, yeah, the States, Yeah. Are you are you from the same state yourself and your wife?
0: Uh, we're from different states actually. So okay. I was born in, on the north side, quite near New Delhi, and she was um, Indian origin, but she was born in East London, okay. um, in the UK. So, <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: oh, very cool. So that was probably number nine. Are, are you going to buy any more offshore stuff, or is that just a bit of a play? Like, you know, is that an income-producing property? You're going to keep the money in India? What, what's what's the plan?
0: Yeah so I mean that was you know you shouldn't really combine pleasure and investment but that was our combination of pleasure and investment we're going to keep that one it's going to give us a lot of income in the short term I hope at least yeah I mean we've just bought it recently um and then like I said over the long term if we want we can go and occupy that if we want to spend some time in in that part of India which is really beautiful and in terms of like future offshore investments I mean, we don't have any money in cash right now. But yeah. when we do save up and and have that ability, we actually want to buy in the US, um, just just to kind of have the ability to uh, move there for short periods of time if if we want to. But you know, it's it's very expensive, especially where we want to we want to go over there. So it'll be a little while away.
1: Yeah. no, it's um, it, it's it's sort of portfolio that a lot of people would like to build as a foundational point uh, from a foundational point, no doubt. This will hold you well uh, moving forward. What's the total valuation of this the Resi portfolio, PK?
0: Yeah, so including the one in um, in India, it's about uh, touching five. So I think it's about 4.7 or 4.8 or something like that. Okay, and and how much debt you're carrying on that? There's about 1.6 or 1.7 mil of of debt at the oh, moment.
1: And okay, what's the OVR position? That's got you know you're good with numbers. Thirty. 32.8%. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's about yeah. a third, right?
0: Um, yeah. And the, the reason the um, the debt is so low is that we've been working our asses off, basically, um, you know, working really hard, the both of us in our jobs and, and trying to pay those properties down to some extent.
1: Well, let's have a chat about that. I said that you've been, uh, well, you gave us the uh, LVR position, so 30 odd percent, 4.8 million valuation, 1.6 million uh, in debt. And a lot of people would say, what are you doing? You guys should be going harder right now. But um, uh, it depends where you sit on the, the risk curve. So are you, all these mortgages, are they principal interest? Are you paying them down over time? Is that the plan?
0: Some of them are, um, Phil, on, on P&I. But I mean, our plan is really to, and when I gave you that equity position, that includes the offset money, the, mm. the capital and the offset um the re- the plan is to just have that that liquid cash available if we want to do something with it i think we're i mean we're not as diversified in other asset classes like shares and and other things so mm. we don't want to be going too much um, more into residential property in australia i mean different strokes for different folks um but that's why we have that that money in the in the offset to kind of do something else with um yeah. in the
1: future and and that makes sense so uh PK is talking about an offset account. So the way that works, um, if you're not familiar with them, and I'll be really general with this, if you've got $500,000 of debt on a property, and then if you put $500,000 in cash in your offset account that's connected with that property, you'll pay zero interest if it is just a principal, if it's just an interest-only loan. So so what it does, it offsets the amount of money that you're exposed to, and therefore you pay less interest. And it's a really good strategy uh, if you're looking to build up cash for another purchase or for some other utility in time in a different asset class, have it sitting in an offset. So if you've got interest rates of 4% and you've got a completely offset, it means you've got a 0% interest rate. So uh, it's a really good strategy uh, for conserving cash. And what a lot of other people do also is that if they do a refinance um, and they realize some cash getting ready for the next purchase, they'll, they'll chuck in an offset until they're ready. So you're making that money work for you. Um, much better than that sitting in a savings account where you're lucky to get 0.1% uh, at the moment. So if you need any more information about that, go and speak to your mortgage broker. Uh, they can help you out. Now, where, where on this journey, PK, did you start investing in commercial property?
0: So we started doing commercial developments about four years ago, Phil. Um, and when I say developments, that just means, I mean, I'm not, I didn't quit my job and all of a sudden do this. I, I teamed up with some business partners and mostly here in Brisbane, places like Morayfield, um, Logan, and a couple of other localities. We're doing service station, we did a childcare center. One was a combination of the two. Um, And I was basically a silent money partner, um, as well as doing some funding, kind of helping the project that way. And my business partner civil engineer. So he was kind of doing, you know, the more sort of roll up your sleeve, hard sort of dirty work. Um, And through that, we're able to make more lumpy, you could say sort of chunky, profits for want of a better word. yeah, um, and then the buy and hold
1: commercials was just this year. Okay. And what's your buy and hold commercials? So we got two.
0: Um, yep. The first one was up in um, or is up in in Townsville um in Garbutt. That's standard shed. It's got, I think as a panel beater, there's a, a paint guy and uh, what is like a boxing gym or something like that. Okay, um side by side. It's pretty cheap. about four forty we paid for it. Yep. Um, needs a new roof, which is going to cost me about fifty thousand dollars. But once we do that, I reckon—I mean, I haven't got a valuation or anything—but I reckon that would be about six hundred.
1: Okay, and um, I imagine pretty good uh, cash flow out of that.
0: Yeah, so that that was a really good deal. The the cash flow, I think, before expenses, about fifty thousand. After your property management fees, the tenants don't pay the outgoings in this case. It ends up being about three uh, thirty-five. So, I think you know gross about eight or nine, maybe six or seven net, something mm. like that.
1: And the the portfolio you've built, you've diversified down into commercial assets. To your point, you'll probably um, go wider in your asset base, but you're still young, mate. Um, what, what's been what what's been the the secret to your success? Or well, number one, do you think you've been successful? Number two, the answer is yes, which it probably should be. Um, what's what's your sort of, what's made this so right for you? What's your sort of guide, guiding sort of force in making these investment decisions?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. I think success is really fulfilling your potential. So different people are different and as long as you fulfill whatever potential you have, that's success. So, you know, from that perspective, you know, I think we've got a long way to go, hopefully. Um, mm. But there's no sort of magic sauce. Like we said, or like I said, There was no sort of rags to riches story and, you know, living in a caravan or anything like that. We're on pretty good incomes. We work really hard through our childhood to get a good education and get good jobs. We work very hard in our jobs. Um, And that's really what you need, right? You need the serviceability, especially in this day and age. Um, But really the secret, or you could say what we stressed most was data. Mm. You know, you mentioned earlier, Phil, that you know, all the good investors, they have a really good balance between being data-driven, but also being kind of prudent um, in the sort of more, you could say less quantitative things, but we really skewed that equation much more heavily towards the data. And I mean, back when we started, there wasn't that much data out there and, and I had a background, like I said, in statistics. So I just compiled a lot of the data that I could and ran there's a bit of a nerdy term, something called multivariate regression analysis, which just allows us to understand of all the data factors out there, what are actually meaningful? What have a meaningful coefficient? What are their respective weightings? And we just sort of use, you know, these data factors. They're not, they're not secrets. So so on that basis
1: then did you, um, make your own determination of what data points were the most important. You created your own indexing score to say, hang on a second, I chuck all these numbers into this pot, shake it up, and then these ones are the highest. Um, what, what would be the sort of the core or the primary uh, data points or the primary data indicators, which for you would indicate um, investability in a particular area and or asset?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Like we use 30 to 35 data factors, but you know, there's this sort of 80-20 principle. Basically, if you look at stock on market percentages, days on market trends, online search interest ratios, um, average vendor discounting, building approval schemes around, you know, where you're looking to to invest, mortgage affordability is obviously an important one, job advertisement trends, Mm. et cetera, et cetera. And it's not just the coefficients or the weightings or the indexing as you put it, but it's also the thresholds, like for example, we found that on average average vendor discounting needs to be less than five percent and trending down along with the other things stacking up for the balance of demand to start pipping supply and so when you can actually do this quantitatively you can sort of sit back and say all right i don't know anything about um the australian property market i'm just going to let the data speak for itself start with the fifteen thousand suburbs and you know make your way downwards and then like you said you have your local property manager. You have other things that you can just find online, like flooding and um, you know bushfire zones and flight path corridors. You can kind of overlay that qualitative stuff, and you know kind of sandwich together you know, where you should where you should buy, quantitative top down and qualitative bottom up.
1: So, so for those of you that aren't data nerds, quantitative and qualitative. Quantitative being um, um, numbers, and and qualitative being sort of more narrative. So, what's the story around it versus what are the numbers saying? I guess. A very important thing to take from this is, um, uh, it's good to embrace data, and you've got to you got to know data to be a good property investor. But the best people I've seen use data don't have what's called confirmation bias. Where um, uh, what PK is saying there is that you start at fifteen thousand properties, and then without any bias suburbs, or agenda, yeah. and work out what it is, rather than going, "Hey, I think this suburb is really good. I'm going to use data to prove to me." that it is good. Don't do that because that's how you end up in trouble. But um, PK, mate, great story. Um, When when you sort of get any more offset, uh, offshore stuff, come and have a chat with us, mate. I want to understand how that works for you. And um, so the property in India, did you buy it all in cash? Have you got any debt on it? That was a cash purchase. Uh, okay. They wouldn't lend me over there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I I really like to um, uh, uh, uncover that that journey as you go through that, but uh, keep at it, PK. How are you doing well there? It's a really good portfolio. uh, the deposition is great um, paying off uh, the loans um, that might work for you it might not for other people uh, you know but no doubt you get ready for that next big purchase so uh, when you do that come and have a chat with us mate yeah awesome no 100 thanks for having me on Phil nice one that's PK Gupta uh, property investor uh, these are the stories that we'd like um, and, and you know to put it in perspective um, uh, only about oh, it's a tiny fraction of Australian property investors own more than six properties. So PK is one of those. Don't think that every property investor in Australia's portfolio looks like PKs. Most property investors in Australia only have between one or two properties, and that is the norm. So you need to make sure you get those first two absolutely right if you want to go out there and build a portfolio. But these are the stories that we like to have on a Smart Property Investment Show. Remember to go and check out the website, smartpropertyinvestment.com.au, social media, Smart Property HQ. No favor for me, no doubt, PK is gonna do it as soon as we finish, because I'm gonna look Tomorrow, he's going to leave a review for us on uh, iTunes or wherever he <laughs> listens to uh, um, the, the podcast. Um, I get to do the good bit of this, and that is have the chat with the property investors about this big team here that make me sound good and get these great guests coming on the studio. They get a real kick out of that feedback. So if you can do that for me, that'd be great. It'd be a favor. Uh, I'll see you again next time. Until then, bye-bye. Awesome.